Welcome to Creativity Speaks. I'm Serena. Phil and I regularly get together to chat with the people that drive our creative economy and make Sacramento special. Together, we both bring unique perspectives. Phil is a traditional creative with a career in visual design, and I am an unexpected creative with a background in community event production and ag. Together, we explore the various types of creatives that add value to our community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome, podcast guests. We're talking collaboration today with Julia Feldman of Capital Dance Project. She is a professional ballet dancer who experienced a bit of a crisis in 2015 and created a very magical event that happens here in Sacramento that brings together a lot of creative forces. I won't explain it all. We'll talk to her and discuss collaboration and dance in Sacramento. So welcome, Julia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just jumping right into uh, what Capital Dance Project is. Uh, we started in 2015 and uh, Capital Dance Project, or CDP, was created by an entire group of dancers who uh, all danced together as professional dancers with the Sacramento Ballet. Um, so kind of like you touched on in 2015, uh, we started from kind of unfortunate circumstances that year. Uh, the Sacramento Ballet did have to cut its season short. Um, so it typically runs... Uh, from about September to May, and we have about five, six shows that we do uh, for a full season at the Sacramento Ballet. Uh, so that year, unfortunately, due to financial reasons, the very last show that we would have performed uh, was canceled. And so that show that was canceled happened to be Beer and Ballet, which is a show that we do every year that is created uh, by the dancers. So all dancers of the Sacramento Ballet have the opportunity to choreograph if they want to. Um, so it kind of just worked out that we already had, um, I think, 12 or 13 ballets that were either finished or about halfway done. And we, you know, had a quick <laughs> uh, kind of universal decision to make if we want to just, you know, part ways and come back the next season or put on a show because we already have these works ready to go. And it was up like a yeah. crisis to spur creativity. Uh, yeah, I mean... It was really just a no-brainer, <laughs> um, and I, I think it was in a matter of about 21 days, we booked a theater and secured rehearsal space and uh, put on a show at the Crest, and, um, you know, it just was this incredibly empowering experience, and the audience that showed up was just overwhelmingly supportive, and, you know, we filled the house, and... Um, you know, it just really created this momentum for all of us as artists to, you know, not just stop with that one show. I think another kind of the next <laughs> um, really just immediately understood decision was that we want to keep doing this uh, each summer. We want to put on a show. So what was your goal with Behind the Bar? Um, I mean, that year, the goal was, uh, I think, really simply to just keep going and um, you know, that theme of teamwork and collaboration was there from the very beginning. And, uh, even in that first year, in the short amount of time that we put the show together, uh, we already had this kind of group understanding that we wanted to incorporate more artists and, um, businesses of Sacramento. 
Um, so that first year we had New Helvetia Brewing Company came in and they had provided brews in the lobby, which is part of um, sort of play on words of behind the bar where that title came from, <laughs> <laughs> which we've stuck with every year. Uh, so we had them. We had, I think, the beginnings of, of what is now a Maker's Mart that we have in the lobby every year. So we had a few artist vendors and we had uh, Joe Kai as a musician, as a guest artist in the show. Uh, so that was already happening that first year. And then the next year, uh, we just expanded on that. And I think we all knew that we wanted the show to become something that really was this theme of collaboration, uh, specifically with Sacramento artists, businesses, makers. Um, and I think in like our first meeting for what we wanted year two to be, uh, we came up pretty quickly with the idea of pairing each choreographer. So we have each year about eight to 10 choreographers. And so we pair each one with a local artist or musician uh, to create a work, a world premiere work. So uh, at this point, going into year seven, I think we've produced about 60 world premiere uh, ballets, dance works. And off the top of my head, I think we've worked with uh, close to 40 local artists and musicians over wow. the years. So it's just been, um, it's just been incredible. And, and just, it's so different every year. Well, that's, that's super impressive. And before we jump into these collaborations between all the artists, mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious, I'm sure Serena is too, cause she's a, she's an events person, but like you were all ballet dancers, right. And doing yeah. some choreography, but somehow figured out how to throw events, which is not the same thing. Right. And yeah. in 21 days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell, tell us a bit about that collaboration, the behind the scenes collaboration of Behind the Bar. Um, yeah. How's that played it out and how do you make that happen amongst a team of uh, dancers? I'm so glad that you asked that because, yeah, the collaboration of CDP and Behind the Bar really does go so far beyond just the individual pieces themselves. Um, so that first year uh, was kind of just this like, with the lack of a better word, it was kind of this magical thing that happened where everyone was just immediately dispersed and was like, you know, I have touched a little bit on website design. I can make our website. You know, I've done some graphic design. I can do the poster. I'm going to go book this theater. I have a connection there. You know, all of these skills that, um, you know, amongst a group of dancers, we were all able to expand on and develop develop these skill sets quickly um, that are all really invaluable um, experiences for us to have as dancers because you know gaining that experience in our field outside of the stage beyond the stage uh, is pretty rare um, and you know the career as a dancer is by nature short so for so many of us it has um, been you know without exaggerating, like really pretty life-changing to be able to have this experience each year um, and to be able to explore different areas of putting on a production and sustaining a project like this over the years, um, being able to delve into areas that we're interested in there and gain experiences um, just been incredibly empowering. And a big part of our identity and why we choose to remain as a collective um, rather than you know, having one person in charge or, you know, a single visionary for what the show is going to be. It's really about allowing the entire group to delve into all of the different 
different areas and um, totally just collaborate. It's a full collaboration in every aspect of the show. So it's a collaboration from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I find interesting, knowing that it's 21 days, you had to pull this off, but you also did a call for artists, right? So at that point, you had choreographers and you had dancers, but that artist element was new. Is that accurate? Yeah. So that was um, an element that we really solidified uh, the second year and have kept from then on. Um, So that's where uh, it went beyond just having, you know, a musician who's going to play in between these two ballets to really incorporating the artists into the work. Um, And that's been uh, something that we've really focused on um, for the audience. So besides, uh, you know, I think for a lot of uh, ballet companies, you know, the idea of collaborating with an artist is by no means new, uh, but it can oftentimes still be, you know, you go to see the show and it still is the emphasis really on the choreographer and the dancers. And you, as an audience member, might not get too much insight into the other artists that are involved, the costume designer or whoever designed the backdrop. Um, so we really hone in on that and we want to make sure the audience really knows um both artists, the choreographer who creates the steps, who envisions the dance part of it, and then whatever artists they work with. So we have a filmmaker, Natalie Manning, who also comes in and uh, creates a short uh, film of the collaborative process and the creative process throughout our weeks of rehearsal and interviews the choreographer and their collaborating artists. And so before each piece, the audience gets to see a glimpse of Uh, all of that (laughs) and get to hear from the artists um, and then see the piece. So that's That's been a really, yeah, that's been something I think for across the board has been really an audience favorite and for us as well. But you're also just putting the collaboration forward. You're putting the artists forward. You could easily do the dance and have the art or music be back there and have it be all about the dance. Right. I mean, usually in a ballet, it's, it's like that, right? You don't talk about the set designer before you do, or the costume right. designer or the, or the musician. And so that's exactly. just a, a wonderful thought and intention that takes time and money, right? Like, you know, I'm, I don't know if she's donating all her time or not. I hope she's giving some money, you know, but um, <laughs> to take the time to film all those things and tell that story and educate the audience as to all Absolutely. the thought that's gone behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely become, I think really a big part of what makes the collaboration so special um and just getting to know i mean i think for all of us and for the audience getting to know the artists that are here in the city um all in one event in one space is really impactful um you know in the broad sense for the audience and also you know as a choreographer for myself um you know when i get to work with you know one on one with an artist of a different medium that's not dance uh it's always this really, it's just a cool experience to get to really get to know this other artist's world and their work and what their studio life is like and what their day-to-day life is like and their hustle and everything that goes into their work. Um, and, you know, vice versa, to getting to see all the artists, you know, come into a dance studio and see everything that yeah. goes into our work. See it's just world. this mutual respect that develops and it's really awesome. So then I guess my question to you would be, how do you think that dancers and visual artists grow through this experience? 
Well, at this point, I've had the opportunity to create six uh, works um, with in collaboration with different artists of all different mediums. Um, and each one is incredibly inspiring and a totally different experience. So, uh, you know, one example that comes to mind, a collaboration that I did with Paul Willis uh, in 2017. Um, he's a local uh, hip hop artist, as well as just like an incredible youth advocate and does all these amazing things for the community in Sacramento. Um, and I, as a choreographer, I'm very uh, musically inspired. Um, but I don't think I ever really, you know, when you work with a musician one-on-one -on -one and you're working with this body of work that they created, um, and that year that was Paul's album, uh, Wonderlands that he spent two years writing and, um, you know, it just enhances, I think you realize, you know, the weight of the responsibility of suddenly being in charge of creating a visual for this album that means so much to this other artist and that they've poured all of their, you know, hard work and thoughts and soul into. Um, it just really, I think it makes you a little more aware of the other artist and you both grow from that mutual respect that, that just develops. Yeah, we just interviewed Paul recently for um, his episode and um, super excited to, that's airing, we're recording in June, so I think later this month that'll air. So if you're listening oh, awesome. to this episode and want to go back in the Creativity Speaks um, catalog and listen to Paul, it's, it's a great episode where he's talking about community, I believe, right, Serena? Awesome. Yep, that is right. Yeah, and dude. it's funny. I'm actually going to go see Paul live this Friday, so I'm really excited. So after we cool. talked to Julie, I was like, okay, I want to see, yeah, see things <laughs> firsthand with the world opening up. Let me go catch my first live music show. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So speaking of live shows, um, is Behind the Bar happening this year? It is happening. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes, which is, uh, I mean, it's it's special every year, but this year. Uh, you know, it's coming after not being able to perform live on a stage since uh, 2019. So this is going to be a really, um, it's just going to be beyond special for, for all of us and for the audience as well. So September 18th and 19th, Saturday and Sunday at the Crest, uh, yeah. we are returning to the stage and cannot be more excited. Awesome. awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. For those who haven't been to, if any of the audience listeners have been to one, one of these performances before, are they themed at all? Is it, what should they expect, you know, when you talk about, they hear it, they're like, all right, behind the bar, there's these dancers, these artists. Can you just give a little description overall of what this event kind of is and the experience for people is? Yeah. I mean, the theme uh, really is collaboration and specifically Sacramento um, artists, all local Sacramento. So, uh, Really the first thing, you're gonna walk in and we have a Maker Smart in the lobby. So we have vendors, local um, makers and goods and artists that you can browse. We have a local beer provided by New Helvetia and um, that really sets the stage, <laughs> no pun intended, when you walk in <laughs> for really the celebration of um, local Sacramento artists and makers. And then the performance itself uh, is going to be um, eight choreographers. So you'll see eight short, uh, relatively short pieces that are around 10 minutes each. 
and each one is in collaboration with a local artist or musician. Um, so that in itself, you know, there's no rules. Um, really, whatever the choreographer and that collaborator come up with is what you're going to see. So it ends up being this really, um, you know, every piece is different. There ends up being something for everyone. And um, the kind of final piece of that are the films where you get to see some insight into what the collaborative process was before each piece. So it's really, I mean, I, I like to think that it's more than a dance show. It's, it's like this full multimedia event where you're going to see mediums of all. Um, uh, can art, I bring yeah. my kids to it? Absolutely. Family friendly? Yeah. Awesome. Family friendly. <laughs> well, then for our listeners, for any of our artists out there who want to participate, how can you take part in Behind the Bar? Well, we have um, our artists selected, and each year we do a call for artists that typically starts um, in the beginning of each year in January. So uh, we do have our artists selected um, for this year already, but uh, that is something that happens every peek? year. Um, not quite yet, because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I will know when this airs, but <laughs> I can't say it's right surprise now. Surprise for so. us all. <laughs> surprise. Yeah. So where, when this airs, it'll be a few days before the actual event, and where mm-hmm. would people find out about it? And, you know, is it social media, website? Um... Uh, yes. So you'll be able to get tickets um, through the Crest uh, website. Um, as well as any information for CVP and behind the scenes footage, um, all of that fun stuff is going to be found on our Instagram, uh, which is at Capital Dance Project. Um, but yeah. Awesome. You know, I find it interesting. So when you talk about you guys do that call for artists, right, in January, do you get mm-hmm. a lot of interest or has it grown to really be kind of an event where people, like, is that are people lining up saying, I want to participate, I want to participate and kind of bugging you every time they see you? Julia, get me in, get me in. (laughs) Um, It has definitely grown uh, each year. And, um, you know, it's one of those cool realizations, um, even for us, because we're so involved with the arts community at this point and have kind of been part of this growing network of artists. we're still surprised each year. There's still artists that show up, um, you know, with the applications that have, you know, been here, you know, it says in their bio, they've been in Sacramento for years or decades and they have this incredible work and we haven't heard of them yet. So Sacramento really is just like swimming with (laughs) local artists. There's a lot of cool talent uh, here. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to just, you know, continue to discover artists. And then at the same time, there are, um, definitely a core group of artists that uh, have been repeats. So, um, you know, for example, I've worked with Francesca Gomez twice now, uh, who's a local visual artist who I She's just awesome. uh, love, love working with so much. Um, and uh, that's also, you know, on its own, this kind of cool development to watch um, when a visual artist or musician uh, kind of gets you know, to their second or third um, experience working with collaborating with dance, there's kind of this, um, I think the first year is always very new and then you kind of mm-hmm. figure it out, they figure out that world and then the works develop even more from there. So that's also a cool thing to get to watch happen. So I'm curious about that balance of how you select people because we go through that with this podcast, right? There's so many cool creative people in this town 
and we want to represent the diversity of them. We want to bring different people. We, you know, and when we did this live event, we were always like, all right, there's the people that are the sure bets, right? The people we've heard talk before in a live event, you know, they can carry a conversation, carry a room. But we also like when we had a live event, create this format where there are two speakers, um, mm-hmm. one after another. And that let us gamble on younger talent who wasn't exposed to things, right? Because if you have one who's uh, well-known, they'll draw a crowd, they can talk. And one that's like, all right, let's give this person a chance, you know? Right. Um, maybe Serena hasn't spoken live before for people, but I think she has something really important to say. So we could put her on stage with someone like Julia who can talk an amazingly and impress the entire crowd, right? And so do you do anything like that when you're thinking about your process? What is it like this... I'm curious into the behind the scenes because we have such great conversations about like, all right, what's the mix of people for this series we're going to talk about? You know, how do we make sure different people are represented, different genres are represented? Um, any insights into that process or is that someone else's department? Um, it's the top secret. No, it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely my department. I actually am. Uh, so I usually am the one that puts together the call for artists and organizes um, kind of the logistics as far as the, choreographers and how we you know sit down and select the artists for each year um but as far as sort of the balance of returning artists and new that's something that has um happened pretty naturally each year that just based off of each choreographer and what they're going for that year um it has kind of just worked out that we end up with you know close to a half and half um situation of of brand new artists who have never done it and uh the kind of returning everyone loves to work with them <laughs> artists <laughs> when they all fight um, yeah. well luckily not fighting for it but, <laughs> but knock on wood um but that's that's happened a little more naturally i think uh more of the discussion that ends up happening is is just making sure that there's a balance of mediums of art so you know we don't want to have only you know artists that are going to be using the projector and the movie screen and just digital art. We want to make sure, you know, someone's going to do something that has a physical piece of work on the stage. Some, you know, at least a few people are going to have live music, just making sure it's a balanced show and um, really getting to give a taste of, of everything. One of the things that I find really cool about behind the bar and a lot of the programming that Capital Dance Project does is how it's a great introduction to ballet. It really encourages the community to reevaluate how we think of ballet. So I'm curious, is that intentional? And how are you guys actively trying to make art accessible to all communities? Yes. So uh, one of the really awesome things about Behind the Bar that I wouldn't say is necessarily uh, planned, but it happens uh, just by nature of what the show is, is that there are so many people. Uh, shorter pieces in one program, which is pretty rare for a ballet show that you would go to. to. Um, so kind of by nature, just with that, you're more likely to get to see something that is going to really speak to you when there's eight different pieces in a show with all these different um, styles and genres of music. Um, you know, pretty much everyone in the audience is going to find something that they are moved by or relate to or gets them excited. Um, And I think definitely for a lot of people, they come to see the show. um, If it's their first experience going to see, you know, ballet, uh, they're going to be very surprised um, because 
you know, even within the genre of ballet, it's evolved so much that there are, you know, all these kind of sub genres of dance and style and the way that we move and, um, you know, the stories that we tell and the aesthetics and, and everything. Um, there's just a lot to it. Um, so I think that that ends up being, you know, kind of this extra thing that happens that's really exciting. Earlier, you mentioned that like a dancer's career is pretty short. So I'm curious, like, what do most dancers do after? Oh, anything and everything. (laughs) Um, There are so many, uh, so many paths that that we've watched, you know, our fellow coworkers when they get to the point where they decide to move on, going to school and getting their degrees um, in the middle of, of, dancing six days a week and rehearsing, you know, six to eight hours a day. Um, So, you know, literally any, (laughs) any career paths um, do and can happen after being a dancer. Um, There are a few uh, kind of paths that have spurred for dancers specifically, um, you know, inspired by and thanks to their work with Capital Dance Project, one of our co-founders uh Lauren Breen she you know one of the areas of CDP that she immediately delved into and knew she was interested in was development uh so she was heavily involved with that in our first uh few years and then she retired from dance and now she's working as uh main I think a development I don't know her exact title (laughs) development director Uh, or something like that development director or manager for the SPCA in Sacramento so that is um, was a really cool thing to get to watch like this real transition happen um, very much thanks to the work that she was able to gain the experience she was able to gain uh, with CDP uh, we have another um, artist Karina Johnson who uh, you know similar story she was already kind of delving into graphic design she made our posters the first few years um, also dancing and choreographing for us and uh then she went on to work with New Helvetia, which was kind of that mutual connection there. She designed um, a whole bunch of their cans oh, and fun. did a bunch of graphic design for them. And, um, you know, that also kind of spurred that uh, career for her as a graphic designer and a visual artist. So it's really, it's like beyond amazing to see these success stories like really happening already. So awesome that, you guys all came together to really create an event when you guys essentially lost your job at that point. Is that fair to say? And then you've all been able right? That's crazy to me. And you've been able to go and really hone in on these skills and to help your team, your, is that fair? Your team Mm -hmm. to help your team. I mean, yeah, our our collective, your collective to get a skill set to go and find those jobs after Dance. Right. Right. And a lot of it also um, is, you know, a big dream <laughs> for many of us is to not have to leave the field. So there are, you know, you can continue as a choreographer, you can uh, go into a leadership role with a dance company or, you know, start your own project if you want to after you've gained these skills, um, go into production management. You know, there's all these um, branch off fields um, within, you know, art and performance. So that's another thing that I think has just been uh, really invaluable to get that experience as well. Well, I guess that's one of my other questions too, is for someone who identifies as like, I'm not a typical creative, right? I 
would mm-hmm. say more of like operations logistics project manager is how I would describe myself. But I'm so creatively inclined, if that makes sense. So for somebody yes. who might not be a dancer, what types of jobs could I be looking at if I really loved the industry? Um, <laughs> company manager. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sounds like what you, uh, would love doing. I mean, there's so much, um, that I can speak on as far as that goes. Cause I do do a lot of the logistics. It sounds like probably similar, um, type of work that, <laughs> that you also enjoy doing. Um, cause there's, you know, it's especially behind the bar, it's a really ambitious and lots of moving parts and lots of different artists <laughs> involved. Um, there's a lot to organize. And, um, you know, make sure that the logistics are all handled and everyone's on the same page. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. But I typically in a company that would be like a company manager. So you're just making sure that scheduling is there that or a production manager, um, you know, if you're looking outside of uh, dance specifically. But, yeah, it's it's a lot to coordinate, <laughs> which is I mean, that's kind of that's worth pointing out with collaboration you know it is in many ways a harder route to take Mm -hmm. uh when you are independently working on a piece of work by yourself it's easier in many ways or when you're you know you want to start your own project and you're the one in charge there's a lot there that um you know takes less time you can just make a call (laughs) and do it but yeah but it's um or you can just work internally, you know, as an artist, um, and you can make last minute decisions and you don't have to talk to anyone about it. Um, but I think that's something that we've realized, like, it's so worth it to just put in the extra hours and time to work together as a team, because the outcome is just so much bigger than anything that one brain and one creative, you know, minds could come up with. Um, I think that's something that we've all really, you know, realized and embraced. I'm curious what you think the the magic is, the secret formula is. Like, why has this collaboration worked for you all? Because it seems like there's not necessarily a strong leader with a vision driving you all to collaborate together, right? It's more of a collective. Um, there's not a ton of structure, per se, which can often, like, funnel people to collaborate in a certain way, right? You're not setting right. up, like mentor meetings with the collaborators and artists and the dancers to make sure they're on track and they're collaborating properly. Like this is pretty loose in the way it's set up. So, so what do you think has driven the success of this collaboration that could really easily fall apart, right? Artists are traditionally independent and opinionated and all these things. And so like, Oh, how do you get artists to collaborate? Like what's your sauce? Right. Um, I mean, I think we're really lucky (laughs) Um, that, I mean, honestly, that we've, um, that we were able to put together this, uh, because the structure of the show is the same every year. And I think that that helps. Um, And, you know, certainly we have structure as far as organizing the logistics and the moving parts, which I I do a lot of. Um, But I think, I think we're lucky as far as, you know, we just all have a mutual understanding that we, you know, we're all big fans, um, really, of the visual artists and the arts community in Sacramento. Um, And I think once we got that taste of 
uh, you know, what happens and, and the inspiration that happens for all of us and the audience uh, with these collaborations and that it's different every year. It's exciting and fresh every year just by the nature of, you know, constantly putting two different creative uh, people together and seeing what they come up with. Um, you know, we really have just kind of found this formula and the structure for a show that works uh, and that, you know, to this day, we're all really excited to keep doing each year. Um, and, you know, by, you know, just kind of naturally, you you start to figure out what works and what doesn't each year. And, um, you know, at this point, we've really kind of found uh, kind of formula and structure and plan that works that we can keep repeating. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of luck <laughs> um, that we've found this thing that works each year uh, with that structure. But it's it's really kind of this incredible testament to working as a collective and a team in that way. Well, sometimes saying it's a bit of luck is a humble way of avoiding taking credit for a really cool thing. So congrats <laughs> to you and all of your co-leaders who have put this thing yeah. together. It's a lot of effort. So It is. Yeah, it is. But. Thank you. <laughs> but it's, it's worth it. It is worth it. So as we wrap up today's episode, we want to ask you the same question we ask everyone else. What does the Sacramento creative community need more of? Um, the Sacramento creative community, um, this is going to probably be a repeat answer for a lot of people, but just support, uh, community support and exposure. Um, I think one thing that we've realized and we even discover, um, you know, just a lot of uh, people that I talk to in Sacramento, you know, if I chat about what I do, um, I'm always surprised to see how many people don't know that we have a ballet company here or don't, you know, aren't really aware of this incredible visual art artist community or the mus musical community in Sacramento. So um, that's a big thing, just sharing you know, when you go to see our show, come see our show, first of all, <laughs> come see our show and then, you know, tell your friends and family about it. Support us if you can uh, support your local artists and just spread the word um, because that's, you know, that's the other thing. I think once people are exposed to it, uh, they can't unsee it and people kind of become instant <laughs> huge fans of their Sacramento arts community once they really realize what's around them. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And it sounds like support it and bring a friend or two, right? Like if you yeah. expose new people to it and bring them into the fold, we yeah. can break down all those silos and those lazy habits we have of not engaging sometimes. Right. And especially after, I mean, you know, you get to come see a show now after all this time. So Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how can people, um, we kind of went over it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I want to reiterate at the end mm -hmm. here, like how can they engage with Capital Dance Project? What should they do to support you? Um, I also think, you know, it sounds like most of people, their normal job is Sacramento Ballet. So they should probably also support the ballet as well. So you have day jobs. Yes. Right. So uh, you want to yeah. rattle off how they uh, call, all follow and get information? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, capitaldanceproject.org is our website. So that's where you're going to uh, find consistent information about our shows, anything we're up to throughout the year besides the summer, and uh, to donate if you uh, wish to. Do it, people. And, <laughs> um, uh, you know, of course, coming out and seeing our work, seeing the show, which is uh, going to support um, your entire community of, 
of artists, you know, everyone beyond the dancers and choreographers. And then, yes, uh, Sacramento Ballet um, is our home throughout the year uh, for so many of us. And, you know, that's a big part of uh, what we kind of hoped uh, Behind the Mark might do, might introduce the ballet to, um, you know, people in the community that maybe haven't seen us yet. And hopefully you like what you see and you'll come and continue to support the Sacramento Ballet and see our shows throughout the year. Um, and I would personally suggest uh, if you have only ever seen The Nutcracker, um, also come see other shows that we do uh, and you'll get to see kind of a taste of, of everything that ballet has really become. Yeah. I was about to ask, is there a performance or show that you know that's coming up or just a past favorite that's not The Nutcracker? that you'd recommend? Like, what's a good um, foray? What, you know, what should we make sure we go see? Check out uh, sacballet.org to see uh, what the season will be, which is going to um, kick off right after um, our performances. And um, our first show will be the Nutcrackers. So of course, come <laughs> bring the family and see that. And then uh, after that, we have uh, programs running, um, I think through the beginning of summer, um that are going to be uh new works and new choreographers and um you know kind of similar to behind the bar you're going to get to see uh different styles and genres within ballet um that is just always very exciting to see and something for everyone so i'm excited for ballet coming up and people finding ways to engage with dance. Is there something that you look forward to each year or what's the format for this year? And, and are there a great show or what's the, that people can engage with the ballet with? Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, like we've touched on the Sacramento Ballet is, uh, continues to be our seasonal um, employment and it's really kind of the home for many of the dancers um, that are the dancers of Capital Dance Project as well. Um, so we will be, uh, starting with Nutcracker this year, um, which again, you know, it's, it's the first time coming back since 2019 and that's just going to be, you know, amazing. So bring your family. And then I would also say, uh, beyond Nutcracker to absolutely try to come to the other programs that Sac Ballet will do, um, in 2022 already. <laughs> um, so that's going to include Beer and Ballet, which is the dancer choreography program and then two other programs um, that have uh, each one will have three different works by different choreographers so that's going to be you know a similar experience where you get to really see uh, new uh, ballet works um, and you know there's going to be something for everyone in those so yeah please you know support the ballet and support CDP and come see all of our shows all year long <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, definitely for the work you do to highlight creative people in this town. There's so many of them and you get a really beautiful platform to showcase that. Hey guys, Serena here. Thanks so much for tuning into Creativity Speaks. If you want us to keep making episodes like this one, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite social platforms. Search for at capital, that's with an O, Creative Alliance.